Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts, TJ Branson and Zach Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. So, Zach, just another day, right? Nothing happened today. Let's just get right to the injuries, and then we'll talk, you know. Yeah, just another day, dude. What? It's not Tuesday. Injuries. Nikita Kucherov does not seem serious, but his availability for Tuesday versus Ottawa, that's in question. There was something about he needs to heal real fast as far as him coming back tomorrow. So it does seem unlikely that that is going to be the case that he'll return for Ottawa. Tyler Johnson has been skating on the top line, so he seems closer to return than Kucherov. Evgeny Malkin and Brian Rust are game-time decisions for Tuesday. They're both sick. Crosby is getting closer. He's doing a little bit of skating. Still on track. So we're about five weeks into a six-week timeline, if I'm remembering correctly. Matthew Perot is in concussion protocol from the late hit by Joel Farabee, who was suspended three games as a result. So there is a top-line wing spot up for grabs in Philadelphia. Philip Grubauer made his return tonight against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, a couple line changes. Um, New York, the Rangers, they changed their lines. I'm not even going to read it because they've changed their lines six times. It changed the game. lines every day, yeah. Even, even their beat writer. He just tweeted out. He was like, it's hard to keep up with the lines at this point. So at the start of writing this, uh, Capo, Caco, he was on the fourth line, but he's been playing some top lines, some second lines, some third line. I think we're just going to lead off with that as far as line changes. Like, oh, the New York Rangers, they changed the lines again. Florida is rolling with the Vitrano, Connolly with Barkov in the middle, Huberto, Trocek, and Ashari, who actually has a hat trick tonight. Mm-hmm. Hoffman and Dadanov with Brian Boyle. The Flames have also shaken some things up. You got Gaudreau, Monahan, and Backlund on the second line. Backlund actually moved to wing. So this is going to be – I wonder if that's going to open him up to a little more offense if he's going to thrive. And I wonder how that, how that second line is going to look. Andrew Mangipani remains on the wing with Lindholm and Kachuk. You have to imagine that Dylan Dubé, he's going to fall off hard here. He's got Lucic and Ryan as his line mates now. Ouch. The Oilers are doing their stacked center thing again. They got McDavid, Drysaddle, and R&H down the middle. They're going to be anchoring their own lines. They're, the first line wings are Negard and Cashian. Drysaddle has Gagne and Neil. R&H has Kyra and Chason, and I hate it. I hate yeah. all of it. Yeah. All right, let's get into our headlines. I think the, the number one headline is that Alexander Georgiev has played six out of the last nine Ranger games. So let's... Whoa! No. Drop that bombshell. That is a big one. I feel like there was another line change. Maybe like one or two. This is definitely going to be a Taylor Hall episode. We were gaslighting you guys, I guess, or a Taylor Hall episode, because of course it's going to be. He was finally traded to the Arizona Coyotes for a bunch of picks. Um, nothing that really affects anybody in one-year leagues. There was Nick Merkley, who could make an appearance, a couple other... Former first-round pick, dude. Yeah, I, I think he has a shot in the New Jersey lineup, but we'll see. I do, too. There's tons to unwrap here, so just to set the table... Taylor Hall in 30 games. We've got 25 points right now. That's good for a 68-point pace. He's got 109 shots, shooting at a wild career low of 5.5%. Now, Hall, he's the marquee player in New Jersey. He's been seeing 346 of power play time on ice there in New Jersey. And Kessel, who in my mind is kind of like their top power play staple in Arizona, he's getting 321. So as far as like when we're kind of comparing apples to oranges here, the power play time on ice is going to stay around the same. Uh, his shot rate is up from last year. Things are looking good on the Taylor Hall rebound front. His shooting percentage being too low. He's way below his expected goals for. When we start getting into it, we had talked about this. This is kind of like the worst landing spot for Taylor Hall. The, the least exciting. Let's just say that. You know what I mean? As far as like fantasy goes. 
Well, I mean, it definitely does open up a lot of opportunities. I will say that. It's just, it's not a sexy trade. You yeah. know what I mean? He's not going to a a, a big name. The, the only thing is, dude, the, the Coyotes are in first place right now. Yeah, they're making this move. They know what they have at goalie. Maybe all that talk about what people thought about the Coyotes for this year Maybe those people are right. They just didn't know it at the beginning of the year because they were thinking of an entirely different team. You plop Taylor Hall down in the, the front line left wing of this squad, entirely different team. You know what I just thought of? What in the last three years would you say has kept Arizona from making any sort of progress? Uh, the inability to suppress shots and letting 35 to 40 shots on goal a game. I was going to say injuries. So last but, year was Nick got, Schmaltz and Antti Ranta. But you're, I got you're not you on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, but I got you on that one. Like that, that, that has definitely been a huge problem of theirs. I was going a different way, and I already had a hook ready to go. In my opinion, injuries. Antti Ranta has been down with the emergence of Darcy Kemper. That kind of came out as a blessing. And then you're adding Taylor Hall. Who is injury prone. Who is I see prone. where you're going yeah, right? with this. There's a little bit of a hook. So This guy who gets injured all the time. Yeah, let's add this guy. But How anyway, I mean... He played 33 games last year. So he's already just about beaten that record. I think he's been out, you know, these past two games and whatnot. But we have not seen... But that's not Taylor him. Hall injury. They were, they were holding him out. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they had him out for injury, but we all knew that was bullshit. While his girlfriend is having going away parties yeah right like it, it was written on the wall. He's still on the team like come on you got to figure he's still in arizona right so there's a good chance he plays for the coyotes in their next game i think uh i'm i'm excited to see what it looks like on that top line right now you have to think that it's hall dvorak and kessel across the top right that is the way daily faceoff is uh is projecting i kind of agree I always feel that Daily Faceoff uh, likes to guess. That seems to be the most logical set of events that'll happen. I think that maybe they're going to try out Grabner just because that's what they do. It didn't work with Kessel and Grabner as a combo, but uh, Dvorak has somehow just been clicking with with Kessel. I was wondering if maybe they try and shoehorn Barrett Hayton into there, but I guess he's away at the World Champion, World Juniors, or whatever it is. Um, all right, I want to run a little exercise here when. All right, just thinking like what we can expect out of Taylor Hall with this move. Now, if if we take Phil Kessel, he's kind of like our constant in this experiment here. He's done he's done some time away from the top line. I get that, but if anyone is a good constant, I, I think it's Kessel. Probably max amount of time spent on the top line. Kessel's on ice goals for per sixty is two point two, and Hall, who plays for an abysmal Devils team, his on ice goals for is three point two. So yeah, he's he's getting out of that wasteland that's New Jersey. He's going to win more games, but as a whole, Arizona scores one-fifth of a goal more per game. It's due for a little uptick, yeah. Taylor Hall is going to bring some offense with him for sure, but this could just be like out of the frying pan and into the fire a little bit. He could just be moving somewhat laterally. I don't know. There's, there's always so much hype surrounding trades and stuff like that. Do you really see this as an improvement for Hall? Very possibly. And and this is my main reason as to why. He might actually get some continuity here. Instead of changing line mates all the time, my guess is they're going to stick him with Kessel and say, this is going to work. So he's already got one. Now, we had Paul Mary before, but Kessel is, well, just a better player than Paul Mary. 
Yeah. And and if you I, I like Christian Dvorak on that top line center. So if you stick with those three, because I feel like that's what you have to do to a new player, you can't just bring somebody in, especially like an MVP caliber player like this, and then just do the same thing to him. Just keep on moving shit around until you find something that you think works. You're already in first place. Don't get away from what you know. I like the fact that Nick Schmaltz still has uh, some good playing time and some good line mates. I think he'll be all right at the end. Okay, so you're you're talking about an MVP here. Now let's do a couple. Well, he was. No, I agree. I mean, it's a fact. Um, When Taylor Hall did have that 93-point MVP campaign, New Jersey was scoring three goals a game. They had a top 10 power play that was clicking at 21.4%. Arizona, they're scoring 2.6 goals a game, just a little bit less, but they still have a top 10 power play. They're they're number 10. Uh, The power play is clicking at 20.8, so it's just 0.6 less effective. Arizona is getting just over three power play opportunities a game this year, and in the MVP year, New Jersey was seeing around the same. So the recipe is there, but do you think the execution is going to be there? Now, Zach, we're both chefs. We followed recipes before, and we've still mucked them up. Like recipes, sometimes they don't work I hate the way recipes, you recipes, though. Yeah, it's all it's from the worst. soul, man. You got to do it from the soul. You got to think that there's room for hope. And if he if he goes at a 93-point pace the rest of the year and is healthy for the rest of the year, for the remaining 47 games, he's looking at another 57 points. So on top of the 25 he already has, we're looking at 82 points for Taylor Hall end of year. But you got to be a little worried about how many goals he scored this year. He's only at six for the year. It's definitely due to that 5.5 shooting percentage. Do you think he's really going to go on that torrid of a pace that he's going to bring that goal number way up? Back when he had 93 points, he had 39 goals. Hall won MVP in his, what, second year as a devil? Yes. So there was a little bit of growing pains. That's when they brought in Nico Heischer is how he, I guess, how he won it. So you think he's going to be more at 53 points like he was his first year with the Devils? No. Uh, his expected goals for is nine, nine and a half, and he's at six. So he's, he's going to catch up on that real quick, I think. Well, that's because he's still shooting a lot. He's still yeah. shooting over three shots a game. Yep. His, his shot pace is actually up from last year. Uh, the 33 games that he did play with New Jersey, he had 113 shots. Right now he's got 109 in three less games. So, And his MVP season, he was shooting at 14.5 or 14%. Now he's shooting at 5.5. That's almost a third of the rate that he was scoring in his MVP. I, I think we really got to temper the expectations. We're not going to see that 93-point guy. At least we shouldn't. I was talking yesterday. Sometimes numbers, they lie to you. You know, with uh, with Leon Dreisaitl, he's been doing it for three years. Braden Point all last year. TJ Oshie. And William Carlson in years before there, there's years where people can be unsustainably. They can sustain. That's exactly right. Like they can somehow do what math and the numbers say that they shouldn't be able to do, but they, they can do it. So the same thing could be said about players that are shooting too low. Now, yes, they should regress to the means of, you know, their averages or what have you. But, you know, when you have a 14% outlier that was too high for him, it, it's got to be. There's got to be a yin to the yang. So maybe this five and a half shooting percentage year is that yang. You know, there's a change of scenery. And and it's something that he might be able to do, just get really amped about it. Uh, It seems like he's already down there. They made the trade the day after they played Arizona. So there's a good shot that he is in the lineup tomorrow against San Jose at San Jose. 
And we're going to see. I think we're going to get our first look of actual lines that aren't projections. I think it's going to be it's it's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a game that a lot of people tune into. So I have a feeling in this first game or two, I think he's going to have at least one point. For sure. This just even has pot- that feeling of like immediate dividends. It has that feeling. Yeah, even possibly a goal in each of those first two games that he plays with them. Because I have a feeling, TJ, that they're just going to tell him, hey, just do you go out, play your game. He's not going to know their system yet. He's not going to be ready to run certain plays. I'm sure he can run some minimalist plays, but they're not going to get too crazy with him. They're going to say, hey, go out there, shoot the damn puck. Show me what you got. Yeah, (laughs) I think he's going to come out and score a couple of times in these first few games, and then he's going to cool down. Because that's what happens in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing is is they're a low-scoring team, but it's not like adding somebody of this caliber is going to... like They're not... They're going to score more goals. They removed nothing from their roster. They didn't send back a roster player, and they're adding somebody who has scored almost 40 goals in his MVP season, was on pace for close to the same last year. He's a good player. Is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to add goals to the team. So uh, No doubt. He's going to bring up that average of goals scored per game, but I just don't think it's going to be. I just, I just don't want there to be too much hype. Like, I don't want you guys going out there and paying. Oh, paying, this is definitely not the time to buy on Taylor Hall. Do not pay more than the Arizona Coyotes did. Like, they gave up a first round pick, and that's that's pretty much. And Nick Merkley, who who was the other guy? It was like Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin Ball, Kevin Ball. He's like six foot six. He's a big guy. He's got top four upside. I did think, though, so I was telling TJ, as, as soon as he he messaged me about this, I, like, flipped out because... I'm yeah, first of all, at- we had a whole episode planned today that yeah. we did notes on that we had the scrap, you know? So we're going to move hot and cold stuff to tomorrow. Anybody that's, you know, expecting that for this episode, screw you, Peter Shirelli. This is your fault. Adam Larson. Dick. But at, as we as we thought about possibilities for Taylor Hall and stuff like that. We've been talking about Arizona, so I did like a possible trade. And I had two of the players set a first-round pick, but I said Aiden Hill. I'm mm-hmm. so surprised that Aiden Hill wasn't a part of this deal. Just if a goalie. I was, it, dude, if I, if I was Ray Shiro, yeah, I'm going after a goalie. I th- Well, you said Ronta. I think Ronta it would have been too high of a price. Mm, it could have brought down some of the... I know they love that magic that they have in goal right now, and and playing Ronta like 30 to 35 games a year is ideal because he can't get hurt. Well, he can, but the chances are much smaller. Uh, Darcy Kemper is giving them no reason not to play him. So it's, it, it just made sense to me that well, he, I, when I, I was would... playing the fake GM trying to fix, and I guess they're not going for this year. Like they have, they've mailed it in. They don't Ooh, need a goal. Yeah. Getting a young prospect like Aiden Hill would have been a smart move. All right, we're going to keep digging into this Taylor Hall thing, but we got to take our first break real quick. All right, man. Yeah, I want to talk about the second line. So whose value moves up in Arizona here? Personally, I'd like to believe that Oliver ekman Larson can turn around. We all kind of thought that when Kessel came in that that, that would happen, but the opposite kind of happened. And just to recap to anybody that didn't catch our take on Oliver ekman Larson earlier this season, he's he's kind of like the weirdest regression case ever his shot rate is damn near identical to what it was last year his on ice shooting percentage is up his on ice goals for is exactly the same the power play is more successful than last year and is seeing about a minute less 
time on that power play though. And his time on ice is up by a few seconds, but we're we're seeing less hits, way more blocks, which is strange. He's he's on pace for almost half as much points. 25 points this year with an 82 game pace. Pacing for 7 power play points. His IPP on the power play is one third of what it was last year. And and it's not like he was stacking them up on the power play or anything. I think he had like 15 power play points or something. So an IPP on the power play for somebody on the top power play, you'd expect it to be somewhere around 60, even closer to 65. Right now, it's 40% lower than we could reasonably expect out of somebody in his shoes, the top power play D-man. So basically, Oliver ekman Larson should see an uptick. But we said the same thing when Kessel came in. So you got to be careful if you're thinking of trying to dip your toes into this Taylor Hall pond for the cheapest possible price. Oliver ekman Larson's probably your guy. But just be careful because we had the same spiel when Phil Kessel came in that we uh, that we thought he was going to like maybe not fix the power play, but at least add something to it. And Oliver ekman Larson somehow has dropped back. Yeah, and I mean, being on that first PP, you definitely got to like that. Oddly enough, and Derek Stepan is there too. Do you like Derek Stepan in that second center role? I imagine that's going to be Soderbergh. Okay, so when I was watching the Caps game earlier, they were talking about the trade on the hell was that on NHL network. They showed a graphic of the I guess of their their projected lines. And it was like we talked about over top. Keller, Stepan, Schmaltz, Garland, Soderberg, Hinnestrosa. That's how I kind of see it happening too. I wonder if Schmaltz... well, I thought you said you saw Soderberg on the second. Is that not what what you said? I said Derek Stepan second line oh, center. Berg, Soderberg third line center. I see Hall, Dvorak, Kessel with like Keller and Schmaltz on the wings of Carl Soderberg. That's how I see their top six. I mean, that's how Daily Faceoff and how left wing lock has it. I get it. That's the most logical. And I get why they're they're going with that. I can't wait to see practice lines and stuff like that. I hope he uh I hope it looks like this. Watch it be step on. I don't know if they're gonna try and shoehorn him into that, but they probably will. He's defensively responsible. Everybody's been talking about Clayton Keller lately. Clayton Keller, Clayton Keller, Clayton Keller. And he was trending in the right direction. I think he didn't he have like a ten shot game? And those fifteen shots. He had fifteen shots. In one game. You're lying. In what, in two games? Because I'd believe I that. I don't, I don't think so. Had, oh my ah, god. 12, 12. 12 shots. Sorry, twelve. Yeah, if anything's trending Damn. in the right direction, that twelve shot 12 game shots. is something. I like to see that. Two goals there. Damn. Three out of his last five games have had five shots, and then he had 12 shots in that game. Just an absurd amount of shooting. Uh, he was trending in the right direction. Even with that 12-shot outlier, the five shots was was nice to see, and it seems like something that he's intent on doing. So, TJ, in the long run, with them giving up a couple, well, a few prospects, a first, and what, a third? Yeah. Uh, okay, so their conditional pick is so weird. There are two conditions that need to be met, and it's a top three overall protected pick. So if somehow the Coyotes get Taylor Hall and then just tank their way into a top three lottery pick somehow, it's protected this year. But then it moves to next year, and it's not protected. Because Taylor Hall is like some sort of voodoo about getting first overall picks. Like, I guess they just wanted to make sure they were cool. So I guess they need to win one round. Okay, so there is an and or, but if they win... One round and sign Taylor Hall, it's a first round. I think I'm remembering all this correctly. And then if they do one of those two things, it's a second round for sure. And I think the third round is just it's just there. Like, it, the, there's no getting out of the third round, I think. Well, they're going to sign him, right? They have to. You're not giving away all of that for maybe not signing him. You'd have to think that a new deal is coming up here. When was the last time Arizona did anything risky? 
Well, can this you remember? Would be, this would be incredibly risky. Yeah, but I, I just can't remember any time. Especially not knowing if they're going to sign him or not. I just can't you remember any time they give up a first-round pick. I feel like they've had either more than one first-round pick in the last five years, or they've had all of their first-round picks. I might be wrong, but I feel like the Arizona has a really stocked cupboard. I, I think they can they can part with one, and it sucks because this is like one of the deepest drafts in recent memory. So that first-round pick, no matter where you land, is going to be an impact player. I don't know. I feel yeah, like this is for, the time they have. Holes, you're picking Taylor Hall with your fir- with your first-round pick this year. That's who you're taking in the draft. And then what? You're going to sign him for eight years, and he's going to wind up being a 37-year-old. I think he's like 29, right? Well, hopefully they don't sign him for eight years, at least hopefully for them. That's what he's going to get. You know that's what he's going to get. He's 28, like freshly 28. So he'll be 36 by the end of his contract. If you're going to sign him to what I'd imagine is eight and a half plus for eight years. I mean, they gave they gave eight and a half to Oliver eight Ekman-Larsen, and half, if I eight remember. Eight and a half million? They gave that to Oliver Ekman-Larsen. I think he's going to want nine. He's but... probably going to want nine or more, probably close to 10. And if they're going to invest in a 36-year-old $10 million guy, I don't know. It's risky. He looks so sad in his profile picture. Let's let's not talk about that. It's coming. He doesn't want to think about it. He did say that he's going to worry about the contract when he's going to cross that bridge when they get there. And now, of course he looks sad. He's on the New Jersey the Devils. Devils. Yeah. I'd imagine everybody here is going to see like a small uptick. Whoever centers that top line, right now we're both in agreement that it's going to be Christian Dvorak, at least in the long term. He's going to get the biggest boost being the meat of a Kessel and Hall sandwich here. That's got to be a good place to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to wait and see what the lines are. That's just how I am because I don't. I'm not much of a speculation guy. But if it is Dvorak, do you see him more as a must stream or do you see him as a long term hold? How do you, how do you gauge Christian Dvorak if he is the meat in that sandwich? If I'm picking him up. Also, I, what kind of I, meat would you would you would you say he is? Two questions. One is more important than the other. Well, I'll start with the more important question, and that would be I think he would be pastrami. I was thinking it's Lebanon bologna. I like Lebanon bologna. Yes, I like pastrami as well. I don't want to change my answer. I think it's one of those you got to go with your gut things, and that's pastrami. Christian Dvorak is pastrami. As far as picking up Christian Dvorak, I'm going and doing that right now as as much as I can. If I do get a hold of him. I'm not dropping him right away. I'm going to give them a couple of games to figure out what's going on. If it looks like it's working, then I'll hold on to him. If it looks like it's going to tank, then I can drop him and not worry about it because I picked him up off the wire. But for now, I would hold him. I'm not saying long-term hold. I'm not saying he's going to be the thing that turns around your season. But if you pick him up and this works, he could be really good for you. A lot of that goes without saying, but I think the time to hit is now, especially with some, like for the people that are trying to trade maybe for an Oliver Ekman Larson, trying to get their toes in the pool. Like I said, Christian Dvorak is probably out on your wire. That is worth nothing as far as like, you don't, you don't have to give up anything. You have to give up the bottom of your roster guy. Yeah, the lowest person on your roster. You, you got to put... give up Ryan Graves. I like a band called Shaky Graves. Do you remember him? I used to play him in the kitchen when we worked together. Yeah, I did. And yeah, that was going to be my team name. Do you see Christian Dvorak as kind of like one of those third wheels of the league, the Zach Cassian, Dominic Simone, or whoever Crosby's playing with? Do you, do you like kind of put him up there? I know he's not going to be like Taylor Hall is no Sidney Crosby. But out, I will say this out of the players that you just named, I'll say that Christian Dvorak is the best player out of those people. For points, he is, I'll give you that because Cashin is the, give you the yeah, bangers. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, okay. I'll give you yeah. that. Cashin will put everything out there for, for Cats Leagues. But as far as points go, 
Dvorak is the best player out of those three. He just needs to get his shot rate up. It's just ones and zeros. That's all it is. He's very binary when it comes to that. I want some twos. I want some threes. I want some fours Ooh. out of him. That would, that would be something. Talk I mean, about goals. He needs four goals. All right. Who moves down? Anybody? I mean, they, the top line left wing spot, that's locked up. So uh, Connor Garland was rocking that. But he's he's someone that has scored no matter where they put him. So I, I don't think that his value goes anywhere. Um, obviously, you're going to miss out on like, you know, 45 seconds to a minute of playing time. But his shot rate stats, they're just his rate stats in general. They're impressive. So I think he, he can do it with 15 minutes a night and he can do it a little bit better with 17 minutes a night. So I'm not worried about Connor Garland. Do you see anybody as uh, moving down? Well, you have to think Schmaltz moves down a little, don't you? Or you think he's just going to stay, stay on the same pace he's been with? Okay, so I actually I have a very fluid thought with that. So you were saying about continuity on the top line, that they're going to they're gonna stick with something there. So you figure two of those pieces are going to stay there with Taylor Hall. That moves one first-line caliber player down to the second line. So Nick Schmaltz is going to see a little bit of a boost because he's playing with a better player. Let's say it's Clayton Keller, who sometimes is on the top line, and now he is pretty much glass-ceilinged into that second line. They're going to see some continuity as far as the wingers go because I think that that second-line center is going to be moving around a little bit. But I, I like Schmaltz here. I like him on that second line because of the continuity. Keller, to me, is kind of like the odd man out here because he is stuck. The wings up top, they're Kessel and Taylor Hall. Clayton Keller is a second-line guy now. To yeah, me, 100%. He's somebody that kind of loses a little bit of value. So it sucks, but maybe if they roll those top two lines, that Clayton Keller can still do it. He's not going to be playing with Kessel, but he's going to be playing with Nick Schmaltz, who, you know, he's no Kessel, but he's good. But who's playing the areas on the ice? Schmaltz and Keller play two very similar games. Oh, I think they'll figure something out. It just looks like something that, I mean, I like the speed. I'll give you that. I like the speed on that line. You put Keller and Schmaltz together, that is a fast, forechecking, speedy line. But other than forechecking, it's going to be hard for them to to hold up with a, a St. Louis, even like a Columbus. I feel like heavy-hitting teams are going to hurt the Coyotes, especially that second line. All right, we're going to have to wait and see about that one. How do you—I uh, think this one's pretty much a layup for you, but how do you think this affects the goalies? I think it does nothing but help them. Yeah, more goal support. I like it. Yeah, uh, that, I think, that's what it comes down to. They're, I think they're still going to continue to be good because they're both having fantastic years. But you have people scoring in front of you. That's going to make them feel a little bit more at ease. All right, man. Is that a wrap for you with Arizona? Do you have anything else to add there? No, you want me to bring us into a second? Yeah, and then we'll talk about how sad things are in Jersey. That kind of wraps us up for, for Arizona. We We got a lot out there. That's the most Arizona we've talked in, well, forever. But that's going to have to bring us into our second break. We'll be right back and we're going to talk gonna, New Jersey. We're going to talk about purgatory. Yeah. All right, man. New Jersey. Everyone in Jersey screwed now, right? Dude, everybody in Jersey was screwed before because you're in Jersey. I was born in Jersey, man. How's that working out for you? <laughs> Sometimes good and sometimes not so good. Let's talk about their lines. So whatever promotion somebody's going to get as far as like that top line spot being vacant, it's been Jesper Bratt who was kind of keeping Hall's spot warm while they had him in that China cabinet. It's kind of a lateral move, I think. Like you're the top line, but you're, I got to imagine that New Jersey's just deflated right now. They are not feeling it. He sure, he loses Hall and he gets Jesper Bratt. That's an easy 
loss in value. No sweat. Palmieri does most of his work on the power play. He does 41% of his production from the power play. That's exactly what Kessel's numbers were while he was in Pittsburgh. We saw what happened to Kessel when he went to Arizona. So I'd imagine we're going to see a drop in Palmieri as well. Palmieri's in the middle of a cold spell right now. So I'm imagining that too. I'm imagining that that is going to keep going. Sammy Vatanen lost his only weapon on the top power play. That was one of the only things that brought him value as a top power play defenseman in New Jersey. And then we were talking about Nick Merkley. I wonder if he gets a chance on the roster here. That has been a little bit of an injury risk, uh, missing like more games than he's played in the last three seasons, I think. But uh, I could see him getting a call up or two. He's pretty much New Jersey's best ace in the hole when it comes to upside. Uh, how do you how do you how do you take New Jersey right now? Well, this is breaking news. P.K. Subban doesn't have a point in 20 games. Going for the anti-heart. 20 games. It's not looking good. They're they're phoning it in, man. They're phoning it in. I agree with you. They have to be incredibly deflated right now. It's so weird because at the beginning of the year, I was kind of high on New Jersey. You, on you, paper, you weren't alone. On paper, their team looked great. Traded for what was supposed to be a top defenseman in the league. They brought over Gusev. They had all this young talent. They drafted Jack Hughes. There was so much promise. And then it all went counterclockwise. Bottom dropped out. Does this does this help anybody on the team? I mean, Jesper Bratt, you know, he gets solid top-line yeah, minutes. I guess, I guess Jesper Bratt. I the think... only thing it could help out is somebody is going to have to emerge and be the go-to player in New Jersey. Is Nico Heischer going to put this team on his back, become the person that he needs to be, the person he was drafted to be? Or is Jack Hughes going to be, Jesus, uh, relevant? Like he was hailed. That's what you were hearing about Jack Hughes. Somebody is going to have to take the mantle. That's what I'm saying. I don't know who it's going to be yet. I have a feeling it's going to be Nico Heischer, but that's going to be a completely different New Jersey Devils team. I think if we're going to see something close to probably even worse than what Columbus has been going through. Like it's it's a team effort, but you don't have any 60 to 65 point guys. I think Jersey does have better players, players with a higher ceiling than Columbus does. That's what that's how I'll put it. That's a debate for another time because I disagree. PLD versus Nico Heischer. I take PLD. Cam Atkinson versus Kyle Palmieri. Kyle Palmieri, I take Cam. Nyquist versus Jesper Bratt. Come on, man. Corpusalo or Blackwood? You know I like Corpusalo. He <laughs> pitched a shutout tonight, by the way. All right, so let's talk. Because the, the person that I am the caps. possibly high on is Nikita Gusev. And the reason I say this is because maybe he's, New Jersey... stole that first power play. He's on the top power play. And now it seems like that's, that's there for him. <laughs> The only way to win games, in my mind, is for New Jersey somehow to outscore other teams and just let defense, let it go for the birds, you know? And that's exactly what Gusev does. He's all offense, no defense. If they want to run that scenario, Gusev is the perfect fit for an all offense, no defense style of play. Maybe they put him on the top line. I don't know. I think they're going to be really... Open-minded with their lines, they're going to try everybody out. We're going to see a lot of call-ups, and they've pretty much, like we said, they've mailed this one in. This year is over for New Jersey. It was never really there to begin with, but your best player has left, and you are still at the bottom of the league, so it's 
Yeah, um, I mean, you're, they're definitely still last. They're, they're screwed. It's sad. So that's why I like Gusev, I think, because I, I just can't see them. I mean, I suppose for the development of Jack Hughes, who is supposed to be a 200-foot player, they're going to emphasize defense a little bit. But for this year, I think they're just going to say, screw it, our only chance is to win games 6-5. to five. Gusev, get out there, be terrible at defense, just score me a goal or two. So you like Blake Coleman, though, and I know you do. Yeah, there's, there's got to be less a, he competition. Is a, he is a root. He has yeah. a route to that top line, man. So instead of having to beat out Taylor Hall, all you have to do is beat out Jesper Bratt. Now, I know Bratt's got more um, of an offensive way about him than Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman's on the penalty kill. He's used in defensive scenarios. He's more of a defensive guy who just every once in a while happens to, to find his way onto the score sheet. Now, they go the opposite route of the Nikita Gusev thing. If they try to anchor down that top line with some defense. Maybe Blake Coleman's the answer there. I see New Jersey now as a streaming wasteland, the same way that Ottawa was viewed going into the year. One, maybe two guys that are worth holding, Paul Marion Heischer. I guess in Ottawa it would be Anthony Duclair, Brady Kachuk, and Thomas Shabbat. But I don't know. But it's it's fun streaming Ottawa guys, though. Yeah. And I think New Jersey is going to look a lot like Ottawa does to us at the end of the year. Just in our minds is like a streamer. It's just a pile of streamers. <laughs> All right, brother. That calls it a day, huh? Yeah, I, I guarantee, you know, in a 30-minute time frame, we missed a thing or two. If you guys want to know anything about those things that we missed, shoot us a question. We're at LO underscore Fantasy NHL on Twitter. You can join our Discord. We can talk about it a little heavier in there. Um, until tomorrow, where we are going to be pushing today's episode back, we're going to be talking hot and cold players and sustainability of each hot and cold streak. Until then, we love you guys. Love yous.